<clears throat> well, Christmas is drawing near. Inflation is rising. Prices are going up. And just, just to show you how good of a pastor I am, I'm going to say, don't spend over 50 quid on me. <laughs> I'm joking. 55. <laughs> Revelation chapter 1. I want, you to, I want you to know that the more we press into God, the more intense the spirit in the atmosphere becomes. Maybe not for all of you, because we all press in at different levels. But for some, the spirit activity within your heart gets more intensified the more you press into God. And uh, I'm eager. I wouldn't say desperate, I'm not that desperate yet, but I'm eager to see God do something on you that astounds you and makes you walk out of this building and think, well, you know what? I've been here all these years and I've never saw that. I never felt like that. And that's what I believe we're coming to. When you've been in a church a long time, you get so familiar. And it's hard for, let me say this now, it's hard for older people to change. I know you don't like that. But it's true. Because you get so used to being comfortable in your church that there's, there's, a, there's a, um, a minimal tolerance that you will allow to change. And because of that, you don't realize you actually confine yourself. No one else around you is being confined. But you're being confined because you set the parameters and the... The intensity that God can only, can only do this. And if something strange happens that you seem as, that you interpret as strange, then, then this can't be God and I need to leave. And you know what? That's your choice. But I would rather you leave than God leave. And I don't want you to leave. But if it comes down to that choice, it started with me and God. And it will finish with me and God. Because when I say it started with me and God, I don't mean this started with me and God. This started way before I got here. But this relationship started with God. Yeah? And it must continue with God at the end. Because in the end, I'm going to meet him. Yeah? You're right, see? So go to the book of Revelation. I want to start off showing you a picture of the one we serve and love. And I turned around to see in verse 12 of Revelation chapter 1. This is Christ. Now we only believe what we see. But there is a realm beyond what you see. There is a realm beyond what you see. How many believe that you have a body? How many believe you have a spirit and a soul? When the spirit and soul leave the body, your body's dead. But as long as the spirit and the soul is in the body, even though you may be in a coma, you're not dead because your spirit and your body, your spirit and your soul are still inside of you. Right? And, and I don't need to say that. I don't want to confuse the matter. Forget what I've just said. It's not, it's not conducive to where I need to go. So, I want to paint the picture of the one that I love. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. 
Verse 12 of Revelation chapter 1. And when I turned, I saw seven lampstands. Among the lampstands was someone, like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. Now, all of a sudden, that's going to get your attention, is it not? Yeah? His head and hair was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, that means the angels of the seven churches. And out of his mouth came a sharp double sword. Imagine out of your mouth comes a sword. The sword is the word. That's what it means. It's not a, it's not a physical sword in the sense of you and I would understand. So it's a, the word of God. Yes? His face was like the sun shining in all his brilliance. And when I saw him I fell down. I bet you did. I think I would. I fell at, uh, sorry, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and he said, don't be afraid. I'm the first and I am the last. Wow. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore what you have seen, what is now, and what is about to take place. Therefore, write. That's my mandate. Write. Write what? What you've seen. What is now, and what is yet to come. That's prophecy. Can you see that? So if we ask you to write down what you experienced, you say, yeah, well, okay, for some you would be able to ex- write down how you got saved. But the problem with that, that was 30 years ago. And if that's the only experience you had of God, then you're in trouble. That's gone quiet in this Catholic church. If that's the only experience you've had of God was 30 years ago, then there's something wrong with your relationship. Because God is, is always doing something new. It can't be the only, it can't be the only experience you have of God. So write down what you've seen, what is now, and what will take place later. I guess that's prophecy. And I wanted to show you this picture of of the King of Kings, or the King of the Ages, just to show you how glorious and magnificent he looks. This is the one when you're seeking an encounter, this is the one you're looking for. This is the one you're looking for. Now, he doesn't stand there like Miss World. Do you remember the old Miss World? With a sash round there. I'm Lord of the Nations. He doesn't stand in a costume. Not that kind of costume. He stands in a white garment. And a sash round him. White hair. Eyes burning like fire. Face like the sun. Feet like glowing bronze. He's majestic. He's awesome. I don't like that word awesome because Americans use it, overuse it like a sugar candy, don't they? But awesome in, in the spiritual sense is profound. You know, someone has a Coke and they say it's awesome. No, it's a Coke. It's not awesome. It might be nice. It might be good. It might be beautiful. It might be glorious. You might find another word for it. It might be sumptuous. But awesome, no. It's not awesome. And because we use that word for everything, it has everything that is awesome gets reduced. Do you know what I mean? 
And I want to show you this, this picture. Now they say that clothes makes the man. Ever heard that phrase? But they don't. Not in this case. The man made the clothes. The man made the clothes. And he stepped into his own garments that he created to make him look brilliant. He already was brilliant. But he gives us this glimpse of him to show you that when you're seeking God, there is a man on the throne and he's absolutely glorious. And he stands there. This is the Christ that you and I will meet. Wow. And he gives, he clothes himself, listen, in a sovereign garment. It's not just any, it's not like when I, like I described to you a couple of weeks ago when I was at school and I didn't have any shorts or t-shirt and I was at school and, and the teacher said, go and get one from the scruffy bin. It's not that kind of God. It's, it's the guy that's got a glorious garment and he, he dresses superbly. He is the kingsman. Yes, he is the kingsman. And what I... I've discovered in my life that you may have discovered this similar to me is that scripture has a way or your destiny has a way of undressing you to, to reclothe you. Your destiny has a way of stripping you down in order to reclothe you. You need to understand this because this will help you. Some of you are wearing garments that you should not be wearing. Some of you, the garment that you've put on, whether it be shame, guilt, or inferiority, or whatever it is, it got there somehow, and we, we explained that two weeks ago, and it drew the circles, remember? And I showed you how these costumes, we, we create these fake costumes to protect us. We call them costumes of armour. Or armoured costumes. And we create these to protect ourselves and to fit into a world where we were bullied or we felt shame and guilt and, and inferiority. Yeah? So we go through life wearing garments that were never designed for us. But we made them for ourselves so that we could get through the moment. But it, the trouble is, they, they just didn't, what they should say, they wasn't just worn for the moment. They ended up becoming part of who we are. And as David said this morning... Alluding to what I said before, God cannot bless who you pretend to be. God can only bless who he called and created you to become. To become. Not to be. God didn't create you to be. God created you to become. To become like the son of man. Yes? So the garments he gives you is the ones that reflect him. So he knows how to dress his kids, basically. Yeah? Yeah? Any good parent knows how to dress the kids, especially when he's twins. Have you seen them? Mum's gone all that way to find a T-shirt, the same T-shirt, the same pants, the same coat or whatever it is. So you know that those two belong to each other. So if she ever loses them, she just looks for the same kids with the same clothes on. And you can find them. The parent knows how to dress the kids. Well, some parents do, some don't. I like the idea that my grandkids have got those pink coats on. I can never lose, I can't say never lose them, I can lose anything, but pink coats are a good, they, can, they show up. Yeah, they show up. So, destiny has a way of undressing you to redress you. 
And it addresses you in order to address you. Dress in order to address. And some of us need addressing, and some of us need dressing. Does that make sense? We need addressing to speak. We need spoken to in order to be dressed. We need spoken to so that we'll undress. Take off those things. One of the things that we need to take off is the grave clothes. The grave clothes, they don't suit us, they stink. When Lazarus died and he was in the grave, the first thing he said is, take off the grave clothes. Why? Because they're not the clothes, they were the clothes to embalm him. But now, Lazarus, you're no longer dead, you've been resurrected, brought you back, you need another garment, redress him. Why? Because the clothes you wore were appropriate for that moment, but now they're no longer. And some of the things, the clothes that you're wearing, you wore 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, all because of one incident. All because of one conversation with the wrong person. And you let them clothe you with their garment, their version of what you should look like. And you bought it, hot line and sinker. You, you let their personality, their strong character clothe you in such a way that it, now you walk around subconsciously believing what they said. But that's not who you are. That's what you've become, but that's not who you are. I said that's what you may have become, but that's not who you truly are. Why? Because to whoever calls on him, he gives them the right, the Bible says, to become the true sons of God. The true sons of God don't walk around with guilt and shame. They're clothed in righteousness. So there's a garment that God wants to dress us with, but there's garments that have to be taken off in order to be clothed in what God wants us to have. And when we see this picture here in Revelation, we see a picture of uh, like a son of man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. He's looking majestic. He's been to earth. He's been beaten. He's, been, he's died as a man, rose from the grave, triumphed over death. He's had all kinds of garments put on him. And now he stood there victorious in heaven, showing you the picture that I went through the cycle. My destiny undressed me. When he was born, he was born naked. Mary gave him clothes. That was the first garment Jesus ever worn. And through his life, he's worn different garments. And then they stripped him. But here he is, in heaven, stood there saying, guys... I ran my father's race, I kept the faith, and here I am, I stand majestic, there's a place for you, and I want you to look at me, and when you look at me, you will see me in you, and you in me, rather than see the stains of everybody else's paw prints on your life. But you've got to look to Christ. Destiny will unstrip you. Destiny will strip you down. It's God's plan to strip you down. I said it's God's plan to strip you down. So that God can divinely clothe you. Amen? God will create clothes for you that don't fit. Now, there's nothing worse than mum and dad taking the son or the daughter to a shop... And mum thinking, you know what, there's a bargain here. I can get this clothes. It'll last him three or four years. 
Yeah? The trouble is, the kid's only five years of old and she's bought you a coat for a 17-year-old. And think, you'll grow into that, don't worry. There's nothing good about that. And the, kid, and the mum thinks she's got a real good bargain, but the kid's thinking, how can I go to school looking like the, the scarecrow? I'm exaggerating. But there's nothing worse than a garment that's too big. Just like there's nothing worse, and you see it, I picked cattle up in town last night. Boy, did I see some sights. My Lord. I'm thinking, how did you ever get in that dress? Carol says, you just keep your eyes forward. You just keep your eyes forward, keep your eyes on the road, keep your eyes on the... <laughs> you know that song, don't you? There is a song there. And I'm thinking, it's freezing out there. And these girls, well, I'm not, you know, you know. So I'm thinking, wow, how did you get in that? Yeah, why? Why? Why did you ever get in that dress? Well, you know why, don't you? They want to look eye candy. And I'm picking my wife up, believe me, they want eye candy. Now, if that girl's dress that I saw you today, she's going to be stripped down. It won't take long. <laughs> it won't take long. That's all I'm going to say. I'll give, leave the picture with you. <laughs> but God is your tailor. And that is the title of this message. And has been for the last couple of weeks. God is your tailor. God is your tailor. God knows how to stitch you up. God knows how to stitch you up. And for a garment that he's fashioned for you. And you think... Dad, you're not really making me look like this, are you? Yes, son, because this is going to do you a lot of good. And you think, can you imagine us all stepping? You can imagine if I bought a load of garments um, like, like the Middle Eastern guys wear. What do they call them? The big long garments. Hey? I don't know what to call it. Well, that'll do. That's a word. All those in favour, kafton, yeah, we'll have that. Right, that'll work. And you can imagine where they want it. Oh, like one of those things the Pope wears. With your sash around you. Yeah, a little bit of fashion there, you know, going on. Can you imagine if we all stood looking like monks? That's a better idea. Monks, you can all identify with that. Habit. Habit. Oh, habit. It's definitely a habit. Is that what you call them? Okay. You don't be a habit. That's why they call it, because you wear it, it becomes a habit. Can you imagine if we all stood there looking like that? We'd say, that's not the fashion for me. But let's just say Jesus said, no, that's exactly the fashion for you. You'd say, I don't want to wear it. I'd look an idiot. So God said, well, I've, got to, I've now got to go to work on you to get you, to dress you in that because that's what you need to look like. Yes? There are things you don't want to put on in Christ that you keep trying to take them off, but God says, no, you need them because they're essential for your character, that your person you're becoming. They're essential. Well, I don't look cool anymore. I, right, exactly. You look like me. Well, I don't look like, I don't fit in. You're absolutely right. You're meant to stand out. So everything that you're looking for is not what Christ is looking for. So that's why God has to be your tailor. Because God has to form and fashion you for, so that you can become. Yeah. Oh. So some of you need stripping down. 
In fact, all of us need stripping down. Jesus says, put down your nets. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. In that one statement alone is your destiny. Follow me. I will make you. You will become. In that one verse is your destiny. Put down. Take up. Follow me. And I will make you become a fisher of men. That's destiny there. If you ever want a scripture for destiny, that's it. Your destiny means following. Your destiny means putting down. To put down means you've got to take off. You've got to take off some things. We've been looking at this in ADT. It's been a, a key part of our initial training. I'm stripping them down. I'm stripping ADT people down. You need stripping down, just like they do. The only difference is I've got a room where they can't get out. <laughs> but we need to take off and put on garments, spiritually speaking now, that allow us to reflect the image nature of Jesus in our life. So let's just go to Luke chapter 23. And I'll show you that scripture Phil I was talking about last night. I think I've got it down here. Jesus shows us that on, road, on the road to destiny, you will have to be stripped down in order to be reclothed. Jesus himself shows us this pattern. So if you're going to follow after Christ, guess which pattern you're going to follow? The one that Christ has set. Now in Luke chapter 23, verse 10, the chief priests and the teachers of the law standing, were standing there, vehemently accusing him. Here it is, Phil. Herod and the soldiers ridiculed and mocked him, dressing him in an elegant robe. They sent him back to Pilate. So they dressed him in an elegant robe. They dressed him in an elegant robe. Read the rest of that verse, Phil, and you'll find it. They dressed him. The world will always try and dress you in an elegant robe. When they put that robe on him, it was not the robe... He was always destined for. It was the world's picture. They wanted to dress him in what they thought would make him look stupid. They wanted, they wanted to, Jesus to fit in and so that he could become the blunt of their, brunt of their jokes. There'll always be somebody who wants to dress you in their version of what elegance looks like. Have you ever seen these Mothers who, or a better way to, to describe it, have you ever seen these kids, these super kids, who go and, who go and uh, audition for the Miss World, but they're only kids? And the mothers are obsessed. Have you seen it? I saw one the other day on dogs. Dogs! And these women were acting like these dogs were human beings. Now, you might love your dog. And your dog might love you. But let's keep it what it is. It is a dog at the end of the, the day. But she's talking to this dog like it's her baby. Yeah. And she spent seven grand on a birthday party for a dog. <laughs> seven grand on a birthday party for a dog. And she's talking. And, and she's got other people, her other doggy friends are there at the party. And they're talking like this is real. And you want to get in the telly and, put, and go, wake up. And she's dressing this dog. Like the dog's interested. 
Me dog. Can you not see, missus, I was born with a coat. And you're trying to dress me with a coat I've already got. And the coat that I've been given makes me look stand out just fine. That's why you bought me, remember? Because you like my coat and now you want to put a coat because you think the rain is going to kill me. You think I can't stand the cold. Hello? If you've got a dog, love your dog. But if I ever see you dress it up, if I ever see you dress up like I saw that woman, mm, I tell you, it made me so mad. Seven grand. Seven grand on a birthday party for a dog. Most, no sense, too much money. So Matthew 27 verse 28 says this, They stripped him down and put a scarlet robe, or a purple robe, Mark says. Matthew says it's a purple robe. Sorry, it's a scarlet robe. Mark says it's a purple robe. This is verse, Matthew 27 verse 28 on him. And then they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head and they put a staff in his right hand and they knelt in front of him and they mocked him. Hail King of the Jews, they said. They spat on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again and again. And after they mocked him, they took off the robes and now they stripped him. Do you you know, when you strip somebody in the street, you humiliate them. You bring shame on them. They mocked him and took off the robe and put, put his own clothes on him. So they took his own clothes off, they put on their version of what they wanted him to look like, then they gave him his own clothes again. Then they led him to crucify him. Then go to Mark 16, verse 4. But when they looked up, now this is after Jesus' resurrection, but when they looked up and saw that the stone, was, which was very large, had been rolled away, they entered the tomb and they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. And he said, don't be afraid. This Jesus that you're looking for, who was crucified, has risen. He's not here. See the place they laid him. So what I'm showing you here is, Jesus had his clothes. They stripped him. The world put on this version of what they thought would entertain them. And there's a picture that someone will always be telling you what to look. Oh, it'll be fun. It'll be funny. It'll be cool. We'll have a laugh. How many times, you, yeah, when they laugh, they're laughing, they're actually laughing at you. How many times do you see young people say, we just thought it was a laugh. Stupidity is always summed up with, we were having a laugh. And here they are, and then they put his own clothes back on him again. And then the angel now is a picture of the clothes that will be wet, what they wear in heaven. The new garments to where he was going, the angel is saying, look, I am the picture, I'm a fashionista. Here I am modelling the new garment that you lot are going to wear. When you get there, like I, you know that song away far being Jordan, in that beautiful land. When you meet in that beautiful land, look out for me because I'm coming too. Do you remember that song? Some of you don't. Anyway, we're all going to get a robe. We're all going to get a robe. We're all going to look rum turkeys, aren't we? We're going to we'll look a bunch of rum turkeys, but guess what? We'll all look the same. We'll all look the same. And I like that. 
God does not want you to create garments that have never been fashioned for you. And you've got to know what garments you wear in order to take the, the ones that are inappropriate for your life to take them off. And God, if you're serious about pursuing your destiny, God will always find a place in life, a circumstance, a junction in life where the opportunity for God is to undress you, to dress you. First of all, at this junction, this crisis moment, he will address you. He'll speak to you. And as he addresses you, he will, depending on your heart towards what he's saying, your heart towards what God is saying, he will undress you in order to dress you. Does that make sense? So I'm going through a circumstance. It's a moment in life where I'm calling out for God. And God appears and to address me, to arrest me, to encourage me, to inspire me, to, to bring me to repentance. Whatever it is, God appears at that moment in your life. He addresses you to undress you. Because as you repent, you take off. As you're encouraged, you put on. Yes? And sometimes you have to take something off in order to put something on. Can you see this? So as you put it on, you feel renewed. You feel re-strengthened. You feel courage. You feel faith. You feel uh, boldness coming on you. Now you feel the benefit of what you've just put on. See, if I say, if, if, if I say to my wife, I love you, sweetheart. I forgive you. I love you. Those words are clothing her. And she, she rises a different woman. But if I say the opposite of those words, I'm actually undressing her. I'm stripping her down and leaving her to a point of shame. Or hurt or pain. So I leave her with that garment on her called stain and pain and hurt. That's why love covers all. Love covers all. Why? Because love is this, in, this unbelievable garment that hides everything, absorbs everything, and covers everything. Love. For God so loved the world that he gave. He put his own heart on the world. And said, feed from this heart. Because this heart will cover up all. He didn't say, I'll ignore. He says, I'll cover up. I'll cover over. God will never forget the sins of the world. That's why he died for them. So, let's go to Ezekiel. Let's consider the words of Ezekiel for a second. So here you are. This is how God views you and I. I want you to see this. It's a very powerful scripture. See yourself in the context of Israel. He's speaking to a nation. But as he's speaking to a nation, remember all scriptures, God is useful. So we can use this for our benefit. Amen? That's what makes the word living. So in Ezekiel chapter 16... It's in your Old Testament. It's, before, it's after 15, before 17. So you've done all the hard work for you. And in my Bible, it's on page 2. <laughs> in my notes, not in page 2 in yours. Reading from verse 4. On the day you were born. Listen. On the day you were born. And I was going to use this word cord and I was going to explain it to you, but it will take me in a different direction. It's for another day. On the day you were born, 
Your cord was not cut. Now, a midwife will tell you, we all have an umbilical cord. You cut it in order to get free to light. But prior to that, it had to be connected. Yes? It was connected in the mother's womb. But once the baby's out the mother's womb, there comes a point where you... Right? Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Something flows from that middle part. The cord. Anyway, I'm going there, and I shouldn't be. The cord, sorry, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to make you clean, nor were you rubbed with salt or wrapped in clothes. No, no one looked on you with pity or had compassion enough to do any of these things for you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field, for on, that, for on the day you were born, you were despised. Think of this for a minute. A despised child. It's not been washed, not been clothed. It's left on its own. It's despised. Let's pick it up. Then I passed by and I saw you kicking about in your blood. And as you lay there in blood, I said to you, live. 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 I saw, that's the first word God spoke, live. How many babies, how many millions and millions and millions of babies have been in this situation and did not live? And here God looks at Israel and he sees and he says, but I saw you and I said, live. And I made you like a plant of the field. You grew up and developed and became the most beautiful of jewels. Your breasts were formed and your hair grew. You were naked and you was bare. You all get the picture? Okay, let's take it to the next level. Because the next level is, is awesome. Later, so stop there, just pause, look up if you will. Time has passed. We've gone from a baby now. Time has passed. Years have passed. Circumstances have come. Circumstances have gone. Yeah? Later I passed. And when I looked at you and saw you were old enough for love. Wow. Some of us need to remind ourselves there's an age where we're not ready for love. Just because I see a nice piece of eye candy doesn't mean to say I'm ready for love. There is a time for love. Hmm. Too right. I spread, listen, watch this, go back. Later I passed by when I looked at you and saw you were old enough for love. What did he do? I spread the corner of my garment. Thank God, God wears a garment. I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. Wow. What a God. What a saviour. Listen. And I gave you my solemn oath and I entered into a covenant with you. And what did we say? Decrees the sovereign Lord. And you became mine. 
I also have had this day. I also have had, the, had this experience. When there was a day when I was worth nothing. There was a day when God says, you're ready for love. Heavenly love, divine love to be released to you, Tony. You've experienced all kinds of relationships, but now I'm going to reveal to you what divine love looks like. And there was a day when God looked at me and he, when, he, when he said, you're ready, and he, he revealed himself and he covered me with his garment, we entered into a covenant relationship. And had he not had his garment there, he could never have covered my shame and my nakedness. Wow. See, because at that moment God speaks to you, he exposes you, and you are naked right in front of him. You can't hide. Adam and Eve understood that. They were naked. And there's something about being in the presence of God and being exposed that God, you don't feel shameful. See, in your vulnerability, that is the safest moment for you to be naked is in the presence of God because no one's going to come and expose you. God's garment will cover you so only he can see you. And when you see your darkness in his light, you fall on your knees and the one who has the white robe and the sash and the eyes of fire and his hair burning and his, and his feet burning like bronze, he's the one who looks at you and says, I love you, you're ready for love. What an awesome moment. Now if you can encounter that God, not just at salvation, but if you can keep encountering that God through your relationship, my friend, you will be a different person. And then he says this, I spread the corner of my garment over you and I covered your nakedness. I gave you my solemn oath and entered into a covenant with you, declares the sovereign Lord, and you became mine. And I bathed you with water. And he's still washing me with that water today. And he washed the blood from you and put ointments on you. So now I have the fragrance of Christ. And I clothe you, listen, I clothe you with an embroidered dress. I told you he stitches us up. <laughs> now I've got to start wearing a dress. I embroidered you, sorry, I, I clothe you with an embroidered dress and I put leather sandals on you and I dress you in fine livid, linen, <laughs> livid, I dress you in fine linen and covered you with costly garments. Now I look sexy. Now I look cool. Now I look awesome. Why? Because dad's dressed me. So if we're going to take a picture, me and dad should look the same. We should look, yeah, we should look like father and son. Can you not see this? What a beautiful picture. What a truly magnificent picture of how God, if he hadn't worn his garment for you, you could never wear his garments. You could never wear what he's always had. What he willingly put to one side for you so that you could be dressed like him. Wow. It's a wow. Truly is a wow factor. We ain't finished yet. So now... You tell me 
Well, I'm saved. I'm washed in the blood. I have a garment of salvation on me, a robe of righteousness. I've been singing that song all week. You know, remember that? I delight greatly. Oh, some of you don't even remember it. Forget it. It's for, only f- it's for sinners, that's all. <laughs> Sanctified sinners. And the issue is this, is once you embrace what Jesus did and you embrace what Jesus said and you embrace the promises that God has for you, then destiny is for you. You realize there's a sense of destiny, but what you don't realize is that destiny means you will have to be undressed. Well, what do you mean? I've got a robe of righteousness. Ah, because you and I have a funny way of soiling what's been given to us. You and I have a canny way of taking off what's been given. You and I have a canny way of putting, throwing to one side, discarding what was valuable to him that's become worthless to you. And you and I have this canny way of listening to the wrong voices and allowing others to clothe us. So what Christ gives you, you can take off and put to one side. But your heavenly father, what does he say? I'll tell you now, what, what, does, what, what does a parent say when they pick the kids up from school? Where's your cardigan? No, first thing you see is, where's the, that card? I only bought that cardigan. <laughs> Natalie, make sure, Harper, big H, name and address, email number, everything on there. And she comes out with Derek. She doesn't literally come out with Derek, she comes out with a jumper with Derek, but I sent you in with Harper. So somewhere, some fella's wearing Harper. Well, why can't their parents see you're not called Harper, you're called Derek? It's true. So the first thing you do is get back in there and get that cardigan on. Your father will go mad. True? So what do you think your heavenly father's going to do? The Holy Ghost says, I've been talking to dad this morning. Dad wants me to tell you, get it back on. You're in trouble. Dad's going to come and get you. <laughs> he talks to the Holy Ghost. Why? The Holy Ghost listens to what the Father and the Son are talking. And he makes known to me. So when the Father speaks to him, he says, tell him he's put aside. He's let go of the very thing we gave him. Tell him my heart is towards him. Put it back on. And the Holy Ghost comes and speaks to us. And God says, it's okay, Holy Ghost, don't worry. I see into the future. On the 6th of March, there's going to be a crossroad experience. He's going to be in a situation, and he's going to call to me. So I will appear there. 6th of March, the clock's ticking. And all of a sudden, ding, the moment happens. God arrives on time, right on the moment, bang on the knocker, and he says, here I am. What are you going to do about this moment? Son, and he appears and speaks to us as a father would. And he says, take off, put on. Yeah, where's your cardi? I called you Harper, not Derek. And he reminds us of what we have cheaply allowed to be cast to one side. Rather than what cost him blood, sweat and tears. Someone's destiny 
cost them blood, sweat and tears for you to be dressed the way they want you to be dressed. Genesis 37, verse 3. You many have heard the story. And here we see Jacob and Joseph. Now Jacob's past nature was a swindler, a liar, a cheat. He must have been a good Mancunian. Genesis 37, verse 3. Now Israel, that's Israel's name is Jacob. So Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had many wives. In those days they could. Because he had been born to him in his old age and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. So his dad's made him a richly ornamented robe for his son. Son, that's your cardigan. Go out in that. You're going to look fantastic. You're going to stand out, son. Imagine his son saying, I know, I've seen it. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. So there's resentment in the family. There's trouble in the camp. Yeah? Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. Now, there's something about destiny that when destiny grabs hold of you, you can't keep your mouth shut. You've got to tell people, I've got a destiny. You'll sing about it. You'll talk about it. I feel this in my heart. I feel that in my heart. I feel that God's calling me to do this. I feel God wants me to do that. Blah, 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 blah. And as you start talking about destiny, it reveals what's in the hearts of others. Your destiny is a picture of the garments you will wear in the future. You might want to write that down. Your destiny is a picture of the garments you will wear in your future. Now, your future, depending on your future, you will have to go through transition of many different garments. There isn't one clothes that fits all. You know why? Because just like natural clothes, we grow. And every garment is symptomatic and is picturesque of a time and a season. Get hold of this, it's important. Because this is where we are as a church. Some of you, it's time for you to grow and you should be further up the, up the, the, the destiny line than you currently are. Why? It's time you get those horrible garments off you because they no longer make you look good. When you stop progressing, take the garment off. It's no good for you. The garment's given to you to progress and to enter into. But when you stop progressing, all you've got is that robe of righteousness. And that, listen, there's nothing wrong with that robe of righteousness. That robe, of, you know, you can wear more than one garment at the same time. The robe of righteousness is on you all the time. That's who we've become in Christ. But there are other garments that God wants to put on us. So that we can, we reflect our time and our season. The trouble with Christians is, one clothes, one set of clothes, all your life. Now, what do you call somebody who's got one set of clothes all their life? I'll tell you, poor. How can we live 
like we're poor than when we have a father who owns the, who, who's unlimited resources. So there's trouble. Now, if it wasn't for the dream, Joseph wouldn't be in trouble. Think about it. If it wasn't for this dream, Joseph would not be in trouble. So, Joseph, well, let me rephrase it. It's not so much the dream that, got, that gets Joseph in trouble. It's his mouth. It's not the dream. It's your mouth. You tell it to the wrong people. There are some things I can't tell you, and I should not tell you. Why? For many, many reasons. But we want to know everything. But I'm not going to tell you everything. Why? Because you're not ready for it. And it's not to do with you. Oh, but I wanted to know. Just because you asked me a question doesn't mean I'm going to tell you the answer. Why? Go and find out like I did. I'm not saying that's everything you ask me. I'm saying some things. Some things. I've had to find out the hard way. So, it wasn't the dream that got him in trouble. It was his mouth. And his mouth exposed what was wrong in his brothers. Do you know, my mouth gets me in trouble. And my mouth will always, was often expose what's in your heart of my brothers and sisters. And your mouth exposes what's in your heart towards me. It's true. I told you I'm not easy to listen to. When your heart has been stirred by a noble theme, what's the next part? I recite my verses to the king. So I think because I talk to God about it, I can talk to you about it. There are some things God says, what are you doing talking to them for? You should be talking to me about this, not them. But Lord, I, I want to share all good things today. There's your problem, son. You've not even waited for the answer of some of the stuff you've been talking to me about. So, the first thing your dream will reveal is the jealousy and resentment in the hearts of other people. I tell you what, if you want to, you know the old phrase is, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Yeah, if you want to make God laugh, just tell him your plans. If you want to make everybody else angry, put it on Facebook what you believe your destiny to be and see how many responses you get back, how many likes. You'll find out whether you've got friends. And then what people do is when, when they think you're a bit of a numpting, they haven't got anything to say, they just hit the like button. That's a cop-out. But people do it. Because a like is important. A like's everything to some people on Facebook. Delete's even better for me. The first thing your dream will reveal is your jealousy and resentment in the hearts of your other Christian brothers and sisters or your friends. The next thing will happen is they'll try to, through their words and actions, reduce and remove what's in your heart. They'll try and reduce and remove and strip you down before you can ever get it. Ex- they'll kill the fire, the excitement. And if it's God, it'll be impossible anyway. It's got to be God. For it. It's got to be impossible. And it's got to be God. That's what God does impossible. Your destiny can't be possible unless God intervenes. So people don't realise that. They say, it'll never happen. It can't happen. It's impossible. Exactly. Now I know I'm on the right track. Because God does the impossible. God makes the impossible possible. If it can be done on its own, 
then you didn't need God. Now, there's many people, like I say, every child on the planet Earth has got destiny. Not just Christians. Oh, yes. Why? The world is des- the world has, has a destiny. It's destined to go to hell. That's why Jesus stepped in. Your friends, are, some are just destined for destruction. Why? They have that personality and character about them. That's why you've got to step in. Everyone has a destiny, but not everybody realizes it. And not everybody lets others speak into it. Not everybody will allow people, will allow themselves to be formed and fashioned by mentors, teachers, instructors. And this is why people, listen, the, the most common thing I hear all the time in sport is, oh, he's got loads of potential. Shut up about potential. Everyone was born with potential. Potential is not a qualification. When do we see the gift? Never mind the potential. When can I see the gift? So God will, God will use every circumstance that your friends put you under. Well, God, if you love me, why do you let my friends undress me and do this and do that? He said, because you started to lean on your own understanding. And in all your ways, you did not acknowledge me. But in your own self-confidence, you lent on your own understanding and you was captivated by their words or captured by their words. It's true. We all do it. So, God will use the situation to address, to undress, to redress. So, you've got to ask yourself right now, what moment are you in? Are you in a an addressing moment? Are you in a, excuse me, my burp then, (laughs) undressing moment? Are you, is this a time for you to take off some garbage? Or is this the time where God wants to confront you, to speak to you about some things, so that he can then tell you what is not actually good and helpful and beneficial for you? It might be permissible, but not all things are constructive. So God needs to come to us and speak to us at that level. It may be he's already spoken to you, but you've struggled and letting him take it off. That's one level. There's another level. I'm ready to be clothed for my next level. Now, we all want the next level. You can't have that level until you take the others. You've been through the other stuff. God cannot bless who you pretend to be. God can only dress you according to what he's destined you to become. Now, that's the other part about what I've just said. Now, write that down, if you will. God can only dress you according to the destiny of you becoming. All the garments you wear from God, receiving God, are for your destiny of who you're becoming. You're becoming a son and a daughter. So why put in anything, why put on, oh sorry, I can't say it, why put or allow others to put anything onto you that is taking you away from that picture? The answer is because I want to fit in. I don't want to look the odd one. The Bible tells us in Psalm 45, Gird up your sword upon your side, almighty one. Clothe yourself with splendor and majesty. Clothe yourself with splendor and majesty. In your majesty, ride forth victoriously in behalf of truth, humility, and righteousness. 
No, truth, humility, and righteousness are a cause. Watch this. Truth, humility, and righteousness are a cause. The garment is majesty and splendor. So when you put on majesty and splendor, it's for the destiny of the cause of truth, righteousness, and humility. Every destiny must be... People say you've got destiny, but the trouble is you don't have a cause. You can't have destiny without a cause. There has to be a sense of cause in your heart for destiny to mean something. And where there's cause, there's sacrifice. There's pain. There is need for new garments. It's painful, but rewarding when you take, when you let go and give in and allow God to take an old garment off you. It's liberated when you put a new garment on. It's liberating. The word in the Bible that's used for garments is labas. Labas is, is a word that is all-encompassing for garments. It, can, it, it covers all various types of garments in the Bible, whether it's a cloak, whether it's a robe, whether it's a garment, whether it's a... What's the other word? Anyway, doesn't matter. You've got the picture. Uh, it can also be a metaphor for... Clothe yourself with vengeance. Yes? So it can be describing, it can be a describing word to take action. So this word labas is, is, is all encompassing. And God is saying to us that labas in this context is your garment for destiny needs garments. Yes, you've got a robe of righteousness. Right, that's beyond question. But there are other we are entering into times and seasons and moments and circumstances where you're not equipped for the next stage of your life. And God supernaturally and sovereignly drops garments from heaven into believers' lives. He does it. Another word you could say, with a garment, watch this, with a garment comes a mantle. A mantle is the power to go and do what the destiny and cause is calling you towards. When Ezekiel, sorry, when, when Elijah and Elisha, he threw his cloak on him. And that cloak, in other words, was a mantle. And all that was in the man, all the power of God that was in what that man was put on to the next person. But what we want, we want to run to meetings and we want men to lay their hands on us and think we can get what they've got. It doesn't work. Why? Because there's some stripping that needs to be done. God doesn't put power on top of impurity. Just because someone greases you up like a chicken and anoints you and prays for you on the front doesn't mean to say it's right. You know, it's the easiest thing in the world to do is come to a meeting and pray for everybody. But it's not always the right thing to do. Didn't say it wasn't right. I said it's not always right. So, you know I have a lot to say. It is. You will have many, many opportunities, and with this we'll finish. You will have many, many opportunities in life, Chris, to put down your garments. You'll have many, many opportunities to put it down. No one's going to force you to keep it on. 
you, in the natural, you undress whenever you want, obviously in the right place. When you come home at night, you can go upstairs if you want, get undressed, and you can put your gown on if you want. You can sit in your own house naked if you want. Shudder the thought, but... In your own house, there is a certain scope of freedom that you have. And you can take off certain garments in order to bring yourself momentary pleasure and relax, relaxation. Is that right? But you can never take off who you are. You can never take off who you truly are. Because that, you wear that 24-7. Who you really are goes beyond flesh and blood. It's now become your personality. Or it's become part of your spirit, and your DNA. You'll get many opportunities to take destiny off. And destiny is more important than people. A lesson I've learned and hold dearly to. You think, well, people are more important. Surely, no, destiny is more important because the crowd will change. But your destiny doesn't change. Have you notice in your destiny, circle of friends change. That's why destiny has to be more important than people. You enjoy people. We enjoy people, do we not? But destiny is more important. Because when people say, stop here, rest, destiny says, I've got to go on. And that's not always easy to do, but it's so important we have to do it. You see, I received my robe of righteousness around about 1983 when I first became born again. But for years I sat there and that's all I wore. I did nothing with my robe of righteousness. All I knew is if I died tonight, I would go to heaven. And that, at that time in my life, that's all I needed to know. That was the fear, fear element dealt with in my life. If you die tonight, what's going to happen? Well, I believe in Jesus. I didn't say believe in it. Are you serving? Have you opened up your heart and said, Jesus, I want to repent of my sin. I want to follow you. Believing's not enough. And I got to that point where I, was, I realized that part of my life was, was dealt with. But then I heard other people start talking about one saved, always saved. And that threw me into confusion. And I realized that when I came here, that growth was a part of the Christian walk. And it wasn't, well, it is an option, but it's not an option for me to sit down and do nothing. But I realized just how naked I really was when I got here. Even though I was born again, there were so many things I didn't put on. There's so many things I didn't understand. I didn't know how to put on love. I didn't know how to put the, the armor of God on. I didn't know how to clothe myself spiritually. I was ignorant in so many areas. And to clothe myself, I needed knowledge, I needed wisdom, I needed information, I needed help. But I wouldn't let anybody help me. So it's like the kids dressing themselves in the morning. The left, you know, the left goes on the right, the right goes on the left, and your T-shirt's round the back, and I dressed myself completely all wrong. So somebody has to come then and adjust me. Do you know you've got that garment on the wrong way? Do you know you've got your left foot on your right? And that's how as Christians we do. We just pull a bit of things and we add things onto us until someone later, a teacher, a structure, comes on and, and changes. He said, you've got your label the wrong way around. You've got your shoes on the wrong way. You've got your pants on back to front. And it sounds humorous and it sounds funny, but that's exactly what happens in Christianity. We get dressed the wrong way. 
and we need somebody. And God, listen, and God's a good father, and, and he, he smiles on us for a period of time, and then he starts addressing us. Yeah. And then he sends people to us and say, it's no longer, it was funny, but now it's not. Yeah. Start changing the garments, start getting dressed, or adjusting, all those kind of things. And I realized that now I was coming into a period of my life where God was dressing me properly. And I was getting ready for service. See, to sit there, you just need a robe of righteousness. But to get up and serve the kingdom, it's not enough. It's not enough. And I received, I remember receiving, the first garment I was consciously aware of ever receiving was when they made me an elder. And they made me an elder, and I felt this governmental role or governmental robe coming on me. I had power. I didn't know what power they had, but I knew it was. I was told this is a governmental role. The elders run the affairs of the church. I thought, ooh, I got more power than Theresa May. At that time, I, don't, I think, I don't know who was the prime minister, but I thought I had power, and I felt this, ooh. And then I realized it wasn't, it, it was grandos, and it's important, but I, it didn't make me. It didn't have a long-lasting effect on me. It didn't make me feel grandos. So then I had to keep on growing. I kept on growing. And I kept on growing. And then there came a time when they made me the pastor. And all of a sudden, I felt the robe come off me as an elder. And God put the shepherd's mantle on me to lead. And I felt like, I felt like David in the cave of Adullam. <laughs> They're making, me, they're making me the ruler. They don't even like me, Lord. They don't even like me. Yeah, someone's got to do it. And he's like, well, we searched the whole of Manchester and you were the one we found. You were daft enough to, to take the... Yes, okay. Arise, Lord Anthony. You're now the pastor, the shepherd. See, all this is for you. And I thought to myself, wow. And I grew. And I grew. And I got stretched. And then I went to Australia. Oh, sorry, I went to Malaysia first. That just blew anything I had out of the water. And I came back thinking, what the hell have I just been to? Yeah, I know nothing. And that didn't put a garment on me. But then I went to Australia. When I went to Australia, and God began to show me what was my future was looking like more and more. And I remember... A guy prophesying over me said, God has given you a treasure chest. And I'm sending two angels with you back to Manchester for this treasure chest. And you know, I don't like flying. I'm always apprehensive. But I tell you, it's the only time I've ever got on that plane and thought, I am, you're all safe. You're all safe. Make way. I'm coming through. I felt so confident that this plane ain't going down. And I slept like a baby all the way. Why? Because I knew those boys were on the left and right. <laughs> and it's the first time I'd ever felt so confident that I can get on a plane and not, you know when you feel a bump, oh, 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 Phil, 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 another whiskey, another whiskey. No. <laughs> Don't we drink whiskey. I mean, that's for him, not for me. And it's the only time I felt so comfortable and I'm so relaxed on a plane. And it's almost like I'm smoking. <laughs> you, stay away. You, stay away. I'm going to sleep. And when we got back, out of that treasure chest came 28 days. Books, materials, writing. And these were all things to help us grow. 
and to put mantles on us to take us to the place where we go. And then Phil and I was in a meeting and two, uh, two prophets who we respect greatly, Clay Nash and um, Robert Ennison, prophesied and the words, I could show you the prophecy, that a new mantle was coming on me and it would be uncomfortable. Are you thinking, there's going to be trouble ahead. So I'm thinking, oh no, I'm going to wear my dad's coat. was about 15, two sizes too big for me. And it was only two months ago I realized that now I'm actually wearing it. Discipleship and wear. See, none of us know where this is going to go. So the garment you're growing into has more capacity than what you've got now. And then, I mean, GLS a year ago, no, two years ago now, I mean, and Karen Nichols comes up to me and prophesies to me about another garment coming on my life. I'm not going to tell you what it is because you know what it said? Some things, it's not for you to know. And I think, I am a gazillion miles away from that. But that's a garment I've got to keep on growing to get to. Because if I can get that garment on, I've really grown. And that is such a left field from a boy from Openshaw. But God knows what he's doing. So what I'm, what I'm trying to help you see is, for on your destiny, for every time and a season, there is a garment that has to come off and there's a garment that has to come on. You're never just dressed once, forever. Even when you get to heaven, you lay everything off at the feet of him. And you've not got flesh or blood in heaven. You're a spirit. And everything that God gave you, the gifts, the mantles, are all laid at his feet. And he says, now show me what you produced with what I gave you. And then you go to your little box and you say, there's me fruit. And he says, is that all? What I gave you far outweighed what you've just given me. I gave you that mantle to produce fruit. Ah. And you've got to know when fruit is going stale and rotten. The mantle keeps the fruit alive. The fruit keeps speaking for us. So let's stand to our feet. It's time to stand up. It's time for you to step in. Step into what? It's taken us nearly a year to get to this message. Step into the garment that God has prepared. David, you're about to put a new garment on. As you've gone through this discipleship, you're about to put a whole new garment on that's going to take you in a whole, it's going to do so many things to your life. So you need to be, bare, you need to be prepared to put this garment on and wear it well. In your old age, God has given you, if he's going to give you that mountain, it requires a new garment. Not just prayer. But the prayer has brought God, brought the time and the season where God can now put the garment on you. You, like me, wore a governmental robe. But it's time to go and put another garment on to seize that mountain. You won't seize it without another garment. So you've got to say, God, 
Get me ready for it. So you've got to take one off, David, consciously. You've got to take one off to put one on. Many of you are the same. By now, some of you should be teachers. But that's a garment you won't wear because you won't be developed to that point. Some of you have left your armour in the middle of the street. It's like, like when, the kid, when the mother comes into the house and she finds the kids' shoes at the door. She finds their pants halfway in the kitchen. She finds the top halfway up the stairs. And she can see where the kids undressed in stages. And he's littered the floor. And mum says, come back and pick it up and put it back to where it's supposed to go. So that you know tomorrow where it all is. And you can get dressed quickly rather than have to go on a treasure hunt. <coughs> Some of you have left your armour in the street. You've left your shield of faith on the floor. You don't even know where your sword of the spirit is. Why? Because you, you drop your shield. You drop the belt of truth. <coughs> so your pants are not even up. This is a picture of where the church is at. You go, Dad walks in the house and he sees the clothes. He sees the stages where his kids have got undressed. And have left a mess in the house. And he's saying, Dad's back in the house and he's saying, Children, come and get dressed again. Come back and get dressed. Pick these things up. They should be on you. It's not time. And the kids want to be free to run around, childlike faith, run around. But there's a time when you've got to teach them to grow up. Pick your clothes up. They have a place. And if it's not in your bedroom, guess what? It's on your body. And that's where we're at. So tonight when we come in, that is the very place where we start. I want you to pick all your clothes up. And bring him down and say, right, now get dressed in his presence. And let the Holy Ghost dress you tonight. By God and by God only can he dress you. And you'll be surprised what mantle comes upon you. Tonight, that's where we start. Nearly eight months to get to this point where I can say, step into this mantle. Step into this clothing. Because the clothing you've got is not good enough. It just ain't good enough. It's not going to take you away to where you want to go. Yes, you have a robe of righteousness that's not being removed. We're talking about the rest of your destiny. So raise your hands if you will. Come before the Lord and say, Father, I want you tonight to dress me. I've been a child. I've been immature. I've dropped clothes. I've let go of things I shouldn't have done. And this morning, Lord, you've shown me by the Spirit. You've shown me my immaturity and my childishness. And Father, I'm asking you tonight, Lord, dress me. I stand before you like Adam and Eve. I've tried to hide. And I hear your voice walking in the garden. And you're calling me, where are you? And your job 
is to say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Clothe me. Clothe me with majesty and splendor. So when we go now, we're going to break up. There's no cafe today because we're back tonight. People will start talking. I mean, in a very short space of time, people will lose what they've just heard. And I'm asking you to hold on to what God has said. Because you're the one who's going to stay wearing an old garment that's no longer for you. So Father, tonight, Lord, we look to you. The King, you've been our King from ages of old. And Father, we look to you. Dress us. Dress us, oh God. Address us to undress us to dress us. Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus, address us, undress us, to dress us. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Let's come on, give the standing ovation.